As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. I'm Beck Hill. And I'm Matthew Hyton. And this is Con Sessions, a podcast where we interview your cult heroes at Comic Cons around the world. Okay, yeah, it's another one from our Comic Con Brussels sessions. And uh, yeah, this one is, again, it was a joy for me. Uh, we had the lovely Carice Van Houten on this one. Yeah, which and- you were looking forward to all weekend because you've got a massive crush on her. No. Uh, such a big crush on her. And I, I, here's a little. I don't actually watch Game of Thrones. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I've got things to do. I'm very busy. I'm a very busy, important comedian. So, uh, <laughs> but you're very excited because of Game of Thrones. And then she, we met her and she's the spitting image of Matt's wife. Like, so, so similar to your wife. She is, she is similar. I, I didn't know this. Um, and we're not going to go into this. I don't want to start a podcast objectifying one of our guests. <laughs> but um, she is, she's, she's so, like, charming and... Beautiful. Oh, she's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, we, obviously, anyone who's at Comic-Con Brussels is there based on their talents, not their looks. I, 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 love how, I love how we're both panicking about this now. Like we're going, we we don't do this. Babe. We no. are very professional, but yeah, she's she's absolutely incredible. And yes, she what does I'm look a little about my wife. Yeah, Matt fancies his yeah, wife. Yeah, a little bit. And it's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Sorry, ladies. What isn't horrible is uh, the incredible interview that she gave. Because again, like she just has some insight to the the sort of industry. Like because obviously mm. she comes from a European background and. She ended up in Hollywood and in some very big things, which is why you're listening. So we're going to throw over to the interview. Enjoy. Carice Van Houten! Yeah! Welcome! Welcome! Oh. Middle? Yeah, everyone okay. seems to go there. Okay. And then we flank you. We can you join like... you if you like. Yeah. <laughs> if it gets lonely. Yeah, we, we, we will 
let you kick back. You can lie down. <laughs> you can have a sleep. They won't mind. They won't <laughs> mind. They'll kill us. Um, how are you, Carice? I'm pretty good. It's been a really nice, chill day. Oh, is it? Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Have they been nice to you? They've been so sweet, yeah. I mean, this is... If the world would be just with these people, then the world would be a better place, I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're good I mean, people. These are the good guys. Yeah. Know? Oh. Yeah. I, I assume you've been to Brussels many times. A few times. I've shot a film here called The Fifth Estate. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. With the, 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 the Cumberbatch. Um, the Cumberbatch. Is that what he says on set? Call me the Cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what, just what I call him. Um, <laughs> And they've been here a few times just for other things, yeah. Oh, is it, is it nice to be in Europe? I, lo- I, I live in Europe, I know, so. that's what I mean. Like, I assume you're always away filming, so. That's true, but uh, yeah, I love Europe. It's are, you, my home. are you still in the Netherlands, then? Yes, in Amsterdam. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, so you're not nice. too far away? No, it's a two-hour yeah, train drive. Do you have to spend a lot of time in uh, Northern Ireland? Uh, basically, all my shooting days for Game of Thrones were in Belfast, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I never yeah. went to the nice places. Well, no, no that's, that's unfair. <laughs> Belfast is a very nice place, don't get me wrong, but I didn't go to the warm places, let's put it that way. Oh, mm. uh, I don't know. You, there's some stuff to see, but I imagine you saw some beautiful countryside. Oh, yes, it's, it's, yeah. it's amazing. The, the yeah. landscape's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, And it's, the people as well. Yeah, uh, most of them. Most of them. Most of them. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, yeah, like we say, we don't have a lot of time with you obviously we are going to talk about that show that you are all wanting us to talk about but we've, we've sort of been asking everyone all the guests have you always acted or is this something you slipped into or? no I've always wanted to act I mean there was one day that I wanted to be an astronaut but that was just one day oh you great... could still yeah. do it yeah no one, I'm too frightened day. now I would be very very scared you wouldn't be a tourist you wouldn't go to the moon if it became a public thing <laughs> oh well yeah, maybe I would. Yeah, fact. yeah. Keep the dream alive. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when you wanted to be an astronaut? I don't know, seven maybe. Oh, really? Yeah. Too young to be an astronaut, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you? Would you? Have you ever played an astronaut? No, I've never, never really done any sort of sci-fi things. I would love to do that. I thought after you get something like Game of Thrones with fantasy, I thought that would be all the genres like knocking at your door, going. Welcome, you're one of us now. Um, no. Because you've, you've, I mean, your CV is incredible. I mean, Black Book is one of the best films, like, period films ever. I, I'm obsessed with, like, a lot of Verhoeven films, and I love Black Book. Oh, so cool. I got very excited when you occurred up. How was that? Is that one of the best things ever, or is it that just how I imagine it? Oh, well, it was a great experience for me, and you know, Paul Verhoeven is such a great filmmaker who I really love. Um, it was a big opportunity for me to do something outside of my own country, and it traveled really well, so that was the first time I got to, you know, after that, my international career started. Um, so I was very lucky to be in that film. Um, but I think the role that I just did in a very small film, in a very small independent film with my best friend, a Dutch film is probably my best role. I mean, even everyone knows me from other stuff, but I think my best role might have been in that small movie. Oh, really? Which, which film's that? Oh, it's called Instinct. It's just gone on my list. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, with that, because obviously you're born in the Netherlands and now you are so well known because of 
American things and sort of English speaking things. Did you sort of always picture yourself going towards Hollywood or did you just want to act and sort of do stage and maybe local stuff? I never really had any plans in my life. I never had any strategies or I just wanted to act and I did it because I, that was my calling way. Yeah. And it yeah. was just my, my way to express myself, I guess. And I think nowadays when you ask kids what they want to be, become, they want either want to be rich or famous. Yeah. And that's not the way to get there, I think. Um, it's definitely not the way to last, at least. Yeah. No. And so I never really had a plan. Uh, is that an answer to your question? I don't remember the yeah, question. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, uh, how did you break into it then? What was, what was your route into acting? Did you start on stage or did you... Well, yes, I did a lot of school school plays and I was obsessed with Annie, the musical, you know, the, the film. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I really, with my sister, I did all the songs and, you know, I, uh, that was what it started it a little bit. And then... I would love to see you in an Annie wig. I think that'd be yeah, incredible. Yeah. You could go well, from a red wig to, to be, the red witch. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I wanted to be Miss, Miss Hannigan. That was oh, more really? my, my ah. thing. So, yeah, I got obsessed with that, with singing and dancing, and it just was normal to me. I never thought... And I also, I, I suck at everything else. Like, in school, <laughs> everything else was shit. Like, I couldn't do math, I couldn't do biology, I, was, I couldn't do um, uh, physics. I was bad at all that stuff. So, this is what was left for me. <laughs> I, well, yeah. I know what that's like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're talking to two people who exactly the same sort of career. You don't host Comic-Con stages because you're good at science. <laughs> um, that's incredible. So when did you start breaking towards like um, the more sort of English-speaking roles and things like that? Was that quite early on? or? Well, that was after Black Book because Black Book was, um, was an international film. It travels yeah. sort of worldwide. And that was when I then had a film with Tom Cruise and with Leonardo DiCaprio and with Jude Law and I was like okay that's easy <laughs> and then um, and then it sort of I got stuck into that I just wanted I, I just never thought that Hollywood was really giving me what I was looking for so the opportunities that I get in my own country are still bigger than I will ever get in America so I don't see why I should move and play someone's wife and sit at home in, instead of being a you know a badass character in my own language so. yeah yeah and, and obviously you get to do a lot of big stuff that you get to do in Game of Thrones like it's not like yeah you're not playing anyone's stay-at-home wife Let's no. put it that way. <laughs> is there anything that you would that you haven't done that you'd like to do? Like, so, as you said, sci-fi before. Are there any other areas you'd like to break into, or like? I would love to do more comedy because I, yeah. I've done a lot of that in my own country, or not comedy, but yeah, like romantic comedies in a bit lighter genres. But because of Game of Thrones and because of Black Book, that's all so serious yeah. and dramatic. People just see me as that sort of stern, you know, woman. Whereas I think my probably my Strength is, in fact, in other areas, to be now, honest. It's interesting you say comedy, because, believe it or not, we do a little bit of research before these. Normally, we just end up nerding out about something. But I read somewhere that you grew up loving silent films. Is that right? Yeah. Was that a lot of... Because silent films, like Buster Keaton and 
Laurel and Hardy and all those. Was that the sort of thing you were into, or was it? Oh different? yes, uh, very much so. My father was obsessed with Laurel and Hardy. Oh really? And with Buster Keaton and with Charlie Chaplin, and uh, I saw all of that when I was a young child. So I think, yeah, humor was always, and also physical humor yeah. has always yeah. been something that. I really love. I'd love to see you in slapstick. I would love to do slapstick. I do fucking would love it. Let's but... get that out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need a slapstick sci-fi <laughs> silent it's film. It's funny you yeah, should silent. mention yeah. that. No words, please. Yes. Funny yeah. you should mention that because I've got this two by four. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to make you do it, but do you do a good stage four? Can you do a good silent... Do Tum- what? Do you, have you ever done any good oh, stage no, tumbles? No, uh, no, uh, no, I have to work. I also would have to go to the gym because if I do something like that, I'll break my, I break everything. Okay, we definitely won't make you do that. No, don't, don't, <laughs> don't do worry, it. don't worry. So, going on to that show, that's a lot of you love, Game of Thrones. When you got the call for that, I assume that was already quite in flow. I, what season did you start in? Uh, in the second season. So you saw the, the first season sort of established itself, but it's not quite what it became no were you aware that it was this big phenomenon no I mean I knew that people really liked it and I thought oh this is a popular show but I had no idea of the scale um, and also to be honest I'd, I'd never read the books I had no idea I just thought this is a bit weird with dragons and just didn't really get it and then when I saw the first season I thought oh yeah okay I get it now yeah it's interesting though because especially you were there from basically the start to the end. The scale of it goes up so much season to season. Was that something noticeable on set? Because obviously they realize what a success it's going to be. And it just feels like, not that they just pumped money into it because of that. It just seemed to get bigger and bigger and bigger as it went. Or was well, it always the same sort of feeling on set? It, it felt the same on set. I mean, it was just as cold in season eight as it was in season two. <laughs> um, but it was, um, it just felt, yeah, it felt like a m- bigger machine. There was more cameras, there were more extras. It was just bigger and bigger. But I, in terms of acting or actors, it, that never really changed for me. It didn't feel different at all. Did you find as well, because Game of Thrones is so fragmented as a show, were you just with the same sort of group of people most of the way through, or...? I'm, I'm ma- I mean, mainly I was with Davos, you yeah. know, um, Liam Cunningham and Kit, and some of the guys at Winterfell. Um, but I never really got to play with, you know, a lot of other people, which was a shame. You only saw them in the bar sometimes. Yeah, I mean, as someone who watched it from the outside, it is one of those things where you realize, especially at the end when you see them all sat together, the ones that are left alive, you're sort of like, oh yeah, you guys never never yeah. met and it's really weird because obviously you've been so involved as a fan yeah. and it's, so I imagine yeah it's quite strange to be on that because you probably yeah never see anyone it's funny that you can become sort of a fan throughout the thing and then you actually realise oh I'm in a really cool show I just ne- didn't realise it before did you watch it or I, I watched it I, I also missed a few episodes so sometimes when my friends talk about it I'm like Who, who's that character again? <laughs> like, I, 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 they know better than me to be honest had you done because obviously Comic Cons come about largely through that fan base had you ever done a Comic Con before you got into Game of Thrones no how do you find them now because obviously that must be a big part of your life at the moment yeah I mean I really enjoy it because you actually meet people that watch you and, and appreciate your work so that's always a great interaction and 
and and people were so nice and 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 committed and um it's good to meet your audience i think yeah do you, have you ever had anyone dress up as the red witch yes i've seen a few uh, around here um yeah that's always a bit funny because sometimes i feel like oh they they look better than me they, 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 <laughs> they look amazing yeah I, if i ever had like that level where people would dress up at me and i was at places if i saw them I just try and get in the back of their photos so when they take it, they get home and go, oh, what? That's <laughs> all I do all day long. This is why people won't hire me. Um, next year, though, <laughs> people should dress up as Matt. My Matt yeah. is my dream. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, going back to the fact that, obviously, you grew up in the Netherlands, you started acting in the Netherlands. When you did start doing, like, other language, foreign language for you, what's that like when you're trying to get into a character? Is it just the same mechanism or is there an extra level because it's not your native tongue? Um, well, yes, it is a bit, it, it, it requires uh, an extra um, concentration, I guess, yes. yes, because I'm not, in my own language I can improvise, it's always a bit difficult, more difficult in English, uh, even now I feel like I can't really, really express myself as I would want to because of my, English being my second language. I mean, feel free to... Speak Dutch. Dutch. Yeah, because... Uh, but there's a lot of people who speak French here, which I suck at. Okay. Um, we'll stick with whatever you're comfortable with. Okay. If, if you do start speaking Dutch, you can say anything, because I'll just go, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, if you want to insult us, that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rule of three. We're people who make funny stuff. Talk about something funny that they love. Because I remember as a kid thinking that's a really good old-fashioned gag, but it's also nasty. The actual VHS, this is clearly sufficiently important to me that this went to house moves as well. There is that, that joy and that slight fear as well about who's going to say what. Everything from airplane to bottom. From when Harry met Sally to the Muppets. Trying is good. Aiming high is good. Being ridiculous and not being afraid of failure is is good. I think that joke is so fucking funny. Again, I just think this is hysterical. It's beautiful stuff. Rule of three from Great Big Owl. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. We are going to open up the floor because yeah. there are a lot of you here. If you have a question, please get it ready. We'll come down to you. Oh, yeah, there's one down this way. Okay. Hello. Hi. 
I was wondering, um, for the Red Woman, how, how you felt about her ending, and maybe in general, um, if you kind of imagine the lives of your characters outside of what's actually on screen. Um. Um, the first question is a little bit easier than the second. Uh, I really loved my ending. I thought my ending was perfect. I really... I think I probably had the best ending of all of them in the last season. I really loved the way that it was, it was poetic and it was bittersweet and it was um, in an episode what was, which was so dark and literally dark, you couldn't see anything. So the, and it was so bombastic with a lot of noise and a lot of fighting and, and you know, and, uh, and then for, me, for my ending to be like the last piano notes of a symphony was just a, a great honor to my, my character, I think. Yeah, I was very happy. And the, the second question, I didn't really understand. Oh, did you see anything, sort of, is there any sort of thing that happened to your character that we don't see on screen? Is there anything you sort of had imagined for that character? So, is there a story we don't know? Oh, there's so many stories you don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, Because I never is, really thought about that, to be honest. It is interesting, because we've checked a few Game of Thrones people, and obviously the scripts are so secretive, especially later on. How much do they give you to work with? Because your character is obviously supposed to be ancient, well old. Did you get any of that, or was it sort of like you work with what you get? Uh, I got very little. <laughs> really? I just, very, in the very first season, they mentioned something like, oh yeah, and also you're very old. And I'm like, uh, okay. Whatever. We'll see what happens. So later on, I, I got what they meant. But no, they gave me very, very little information, which was a bit frustrating sometimes because I would be like, so tell me what's going to happen to my character. Is she going to die? Where are we going? Where am I going next season? What, what's going to happen? And they were like, can't tell you. That's so, like, yeah, yeah. A bit frustrating. Did you know they were going to put you in those prosthetics ahead of time or was that quite... No, 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 I didn't know. Oh, really? But I loved it. I really loved it. I mean, even though it was six hours in makeup, I still um, scared the shit out of me. When oh, I, yeah. When I looked at myself in the mirror, I was like, oh, my, oh my God. That, that's, and I really scared a few people around me in the trailer park. It was But fun. It's, it's such a transformation because obviously your character is so poised and supposed to be so pristine. And then it just happens that you're like, Oh, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I had a, a few very epic scenes, I think, like yeah. that, like the, the shadow baby and oh, yeah. and then the leeches on um, what's his name? You all know him. Uh, this is my my being the, 40 plus. I can't <laughs> remember, think of names. I've got Gendry. 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 Oh, Gendry. Gendry. Thank you. So, sorry. Sorry. I had about a Gendry. thousand names. Really nice to push guy, through. by the way. Hmm? Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's a really nice guy. Um, we've got another question over here. Uh, hello. Hi. I was always wondering, um, the Red Woman, she did some really horrible things, like, you know, Shireen, and she did some really good things, like, you know, Jon Snow. And by most characters, I know they're a good guy or a bad guy, but with her, I'm always, is she good or is she bad? And what do you think? Yeah, what's your take on that? Um, I try to not... I pin her down as being bad, or good or bad. I just thought it m would be more interesting to make her a bit more of a layered character. So she was very um, mysterious to me too. I, I wasn't really sure myself, but I just thought I have to focus on nobody's born evil. I don't believe in that. So 
she was just, I guess, fanatic in her beliefs and just read it all wrong and just, but she, in her head, she was doing the right thing. And a lot of people that we think are bad, they think they're doing the good, a good thing, which is, that's the scary part. And I think it's good that along the way you, you notice that she is not just bad, that she, you know, she might have been, might have made a few mistakes, but she couldn't, she couldn't show any emotion with the Shireen, for example. She was so obsessed by killing Shireen in order to save everyone else that she couldn't allow herself to feel anything. So that's why she comes across really cold. But I think when she realizes that she killed Shireen for no reason, something, of course, dies inside. Um, that's, yeah. I think in, that was beautiful to watch because she's so assured and she's doing something with a bigger picture. And that's the doubt, the real damaging doubt that goes through her. And that's when you walk away on the, as you say, a bittersweet ending. It's such a beautiful, like, confirmation for her that she was right and she, whatever happened on the road, at least she was sort of on the right path. It's a beautiful sort of arc to follow because if she was just without any sort of challenge on the way through, you wouldn't really care for her, but you do no, get that No, I really love the moment where she realizes when someone told, tells her that, in fact, all the horses have gone and basically killing Shireen was a mistake. And you just... That's why I love silent films. That's why I think that's one of my favorite moments where, where there's no uh, words. You, you just see her implode and take the information in and think, fucking hell, I fucked up. Sorry for my language. Sorry, excuse me. It's all right. I, I swear a lot. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm not offended. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I can go on forever. Uh, we got more questions down this way. Um, was it uh, different in America to do naked scenes than in Holland because they're more conf uh, conservative? Yeah. Well, you mean the naked scenes uh, were where well, we shot them in Europe with the Europeans around me. There were a few Americans on set. I guess it is more shocking to Americans. I do have to say, now after the Me Too movement, I feel a bit different about it than I felt when I was doing the scenes. I, I don't regret anything and I'm, I'm actually quite comfortable in my own body and my own skin and I never really thought that nudity as such was something to be ashamed of. In fact, I think that we, the more we shy away from showing an, a naked body, the more we sort of distance ourselves from our own sexuality and so, but I, I also in retrospect have thought Wait a minute, when I took my clothes off there, was that really necessary? Mm, maybe not. And I didn't realize it at the time, but now since the movement, I've been much more, I've been, become more aware of myself of showing my body for no reason. And, and that's something different. I think if you can, you know, in a way, uh, sex and, and the nudity in Melisandre's case was also a lot of the time, it was a weapon to seduce and to get something out of men, you know, but there were definitely a few scenes where I think that was not necessary to be naked there. Uh, so I, you won't see, I don't think you won't, will see them uh, a lot anymore, to be honest. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And also I'm, I'm over 40. I don't, yeah, I've had a child. No, no thanks. 
Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I want to see some nude slapstick. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, Silent film, nude slapstick. Yeah. There we go. Nothing yeah. funnier than the naked body. <laughs> uh, but also a very good answer there. We had another question. Are you... Oh, you're there. Hi. I visited the cave in Northern Ireland where you give birth to the shadow baby. And I was wondering if there's any difference for you to uh, show the film in a natural set or an artificial set. Does it make any difference or... Is it easier? Uh, no, it doesn't make any difference for me. In fact, well, sometimes it does for the atmosphere, maybe. But if if it was up to me, I would do everything in studio because I get so so cold. I'm I've been so cold for seven years. I cannot imagine. Like <laughs> even now, I, I I I'm I'm always cold. And it was of course a bit. I'm from Australia. How do you think I feel? <laughs> uh, but uh, it was a bit, you know. Um, funny that of course in the books it says Melisandre is never cold. And, and then they choose me to play her. I mean, of all people, I'm the, probably the, the person you... Yeah, I mean, Liam Cunningham always says, you get cold in a microwave. Like, I, <laughs> I, I get cold so easily. So it was... I'm like sometimes that. it was quite oh. tough. Uh, I love the fact that you're probably just going, for once, please go method, body. <laughs> please. Um, on that, because you say you prefer sort of studio work, uh, do you have a preference when it comes to... Um, stage or on screen or is acting acting for you uh no it's it is a bit different i i i do miss the theater a little bit sometimes um just the 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 the, the direct interaction with people um uh, so who knows but i think i still have a lot of ideas and a lot of roles to do yeah. on on film i think and then who knows i might go back to theater and then slapstick, and then an astronaut. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah, there hasn't been a good astronaut slapstick comedy yet. Did you not watch Until Gravity? Now. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, this has been incredible for us. Show your love. And there you go. So thanks for listening. You can find us on social media. We are at ConsessionsPod. That's C-O-N-S-E-S-S-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. And that's on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And if you're interested in what either Beck or myself are up to, where can they find you, Beck? Yeah, you can find me, Beck Hill Comedian. That's uh, on all social media and websites. Or Be Chill Comedian if you read it wrong. And Matt, I believe you're in the middle of writing a show where you buy people's souls? That's correct. I, at the time of recording, own three souls by contract. (laughs) Where can people sell you their souls, Matt? You can sell me your souls or just come for silly stuff. I am at Matt Hyten on Twitter and I am at It's Matt Hyten on uh, Instagram because there is another Matt Hyten and he got there first. (laughs) Uh, Other than that, thanks for listening. We will see you again soon. This has been a Great Big Owl production with help from Joel Morris, recorded by Alex Rimmersvall at Comic-Con Brussels, who we are very thankful to have us hosting there, produced and edited by John Harris, with the theme tune by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. My mate bought a toaster. We go through celebrities' Amazon purchase histories so you don't have to keep calm and love Dom Jolly novelty key ring yeah, and fridge that. magnets. Yeah, I love that. The G-spot. <laughs> The good vibrations, guys. Green dot laser sight rifle gun scope. I've bought that quite a lot of times. Right, okay. The sex doctor's guide to keeping it hot. Ah, interesting. Did another child come along nine months later? Yeah.
Loads of great apps up now and new ones dropping every Monday. That's My Mate Bought a Toaster from Great Big Al. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.